Good evening, Patriots. And it is Monday, March 13th in the year 2023. East Coast, you're cruising into Tuesday. And some more crazy. I'm sure this week is going to be crazier than ever. We can just count on that. Patriots, I'm really happy to announce a new sponsor for the program. And it's a it's a product that I've actually was praying on that we would be able to find and locate. We've looked at a lot of supplements, and I and I've we've got a good line with the Expedition Coffee line. But the problem that I constantly have is when you read these labels, it looks like you need a medical degree or a science degree to understand anything that's in there, and it doesn't jive with me, especially in the direction that we're trying to go, which is to get us back to growing all the nutrients that we need in our body to keep ourselves healthy and strong, and then we have to look at the reality of where we are and where we're trying to go. And so I was hoping to find an amazing product that would accomplish those goals. And lo and behold, they came to Bard's FM and it's field of greens. You can find them at fieldofgreens.com, And the link is below the podcast now. And so what this is, this is a product that is composed of whole foods it's a powder. You mix it with water. You drink it each day. And the thing is, it's whole fruits and vegetables. And that means skin and everything. All organic, all American made. All sourced in the United States. And it's just an amazing boost of energy, boost of focus. And they're so confident, in fact, about their product that if you take field of greens and you go to your next health doctor's appointment or health checkup and your doctor doesn't say something like, wow, whatever you're doing, it's worth it. It's working. Keep up, keep it up. Meaning their stats are going to show some big improvement. They will refund your, the cost of the product. They're that confident in it. And I can understand why I was really excited about it when it came as a sponsor for the show. So the promo code is BardsFM. That may, I'm just going to tell you now that I'm going to try to get that to Bards, B-A-R-D-S. For now, it's BardsFM. You should check it out. You're you're going to get started with a 15% discount when you use that promo code. And then there's an additional 10% if you take a monthly subscription, which is you can cancel at any time. Great line of product. The Field of Greens product is truly one of the best I've seen on the market. And it's one that, like everything else, I believe in because I don't put out anything here before I use it and test it. And I just am really pleased to have them here with us. So check it out. I think you'll be very pleased. Like I said, the link is underneath the podcast. Your promo code is BARDSFM. And you will not be disappointed. Great product. Great company. I've talked to them, and they have a great philosophy on what they're trying to achieve, and it's a fantastic product to have in our whole belief of organic, whole food, nutritional health, and that's that's just it. So check it out, fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, or you can just click the link below the podcast, and it'll take you right there. So happy to have them on board. I want to go over a few things from this conference that I was at. And really looking at what our weapons are in this war. We have a um, 
big fight on us on our hands. And that's primarily the main focus of what our issue is, is I think what we struggle with most is that we keep trying to put ourselves in the physical world before we put ourselves in the spiritual world. And that's one of the great inversion lies in, in our entire history. We are first spiritual and occupying a body temple of physical. But sadly, we grow up believing that the body is the be-all, end-all. And then when you strip God out of our life, then the body becomes the only thing we have, and people scramble to have foreverlasting life, which is already given to us through the sacrifice of Christ. Unfortunately, a lot of people didn't get the memo. So when we're talking about this fight that we're in, we're, we're in a, a deep fight, which is very demonic in, in nature. And where we tend to, in a mainstream belief of Christianity, we want to shoo away from these ideas that there's demons in the world. Demons are very real. And whether we intend to intentionally or by just action and, and complicit and being complicit with actions, we can contract into the spirit world where demons literally take in a position in our in our lives that can influence us darkly and cause us a lot of pain and problems. I've shared with you stories from the last time I was at the Isaiah 61 conference down at Glad Tidings Church. And part of that was the realization of watching in a, uh, in a deliberate session I was part of, watching the transformation of a young girl literally go from not being able to talk, not being able to hardly walk, afraid to even be in the office, having constance problems, to literally 24 hours later, being in front of the of the church of the the congregation, talking, smiling, engaging, and com- completely composed. That's God's hand working right there, and it's it's a miraculous a miraculous hand indeed. You know, the center of everything that we're talking about, though, is forgiveness and repentance and the acceptance of Christ, and that's a simple thing to keep in mind because whatever I don't. I don't know people's position or your experience in deliverance, but the one key issue here is that it is always has to be a choice. We cannot force that upon anyone. And when we do, we tread into black magic. And that's what the occult does. The occult casts spells on people to try to give them negative outcomes by forcing their will upon another. And it's basically taking advantage of another who has a weaker spiritual place. But it's interesting when you engage with people of the occult, and they will say this constantly. It's like, can't understand those Christians. They have so much power to tap into, and yet they don't believe in it. And so because of that, the occult is growing, and you're seeing the Church of Satan rise. You're seeing this occult belief system continue to grow because as Christians, we're not believing and locking into what God created. And one thing to keep in mind, it's God created everything, including the spiritual realm. So the problem we have is people literally are afraid of the occult or afraid of witches or they look at what they're doing like some something bigger or greater or different than anything God could do. And that's just a lie. 
if the occult is dabbling in in the spirit realm to cast curses, that simply means they've taken something good that God did and they found a way to use it in a bad way because God created everything. And it's literally that simple. So we have to look at how we're walking in this world and how to approach this demonic fight. And it's really, it's really not anything you don't know, but it's a mindset to understand that there should be absolutely no fear when we're engaging with any of these people on the dark side. This congregation's conference I went to about a week ago, in, it was maybe a week and a half ago, an hour or two, which was up in Portland, was a, an assembly of influencers in the Northwest and pastors in the Portland area. And at the end of that, at the very end of the conference, there was a woman that came up and spoke, and she had a very good message. She was working very much with home churches and building up the power of things, and she said something that unfortunately a lot of people didn't want to hear, but she spoke absolute truth. And this is what she said. She said, when Antifa came into Portland, the pastors tucked away in the walls of their churches and preached while Antifa went to ground and went to the people and evangelized the message of the father of lies. That is dead on truth. So with this, with this whole position, we have to understand that we have an opportunity and also an obligation to break outside the walls of the temple of the church. It's convenient. Now, with that, I want to kind of hit on something as I move through here tonight because I'm, I've been, there's been some comments that from some people I value that brought my attention to the fact that I'm very hard on the pulpit, which I am. But there's another part of that message that is that 70% of the pulpits in this United States are less than 200 people in that congregation. They're not recognized. They're just trying to get by. And even though they may not be the voice that we want them to be, they're giving their lives to a small congregation to try to shepherd them to God. And I hear that. And I, and I, I respect that immensely. There is a smaller group that manages to suck all the oxygen out of the conversation that should know better, that have larger congregations, that ultimately are what I would consider the main violators of the problem. Either way, the message of the pulpit should needs to continue to be pushing towards the strength and power within our faith, not just the, the, the I'm not worthy perspective because we're very worthy and God believes in us and loves in us dearly. One of my hot buttons, and I want to give you a little context to this is the skinny jean pastor. I, this one drives me out of my rails and the reason, and just to put some real meat to this is where skinny jeans came from. Skinny jeans started out as a feminine feminist or women's style and fashion. And it then was embraced by the gay community as a way to sexualize the male and demasculate the male. And now it has become a it has become a common fashion 
within many pulpits across this nation, especially a lot of the young and the youth. So the problem with that is that what they're doing, whether they realize it or not, is they're embracing a style and a fashion that was designed to sexualize and demasculate the male. And when we continue that further, because that gets passed on through ministry and other places, we tend to see a common trend towards an emphasis of love that quickly transcends the spiritual love and becomes a very physical type discussion of love. And unfortunately, when you put pastors in that place, that can too frequently result in a homosexual tendency within the pulpit. And what those numbers are, I can't say, but I can say it's enough to say it's a problem. The point of the pulpit is to be strong and mighty in the Lord. And that doesn't mean you have to be a boxer or a martial artist, though I think that would be a good thing. It doesn't mean you have to be a hunter or a butcher, which I think would be a good thing, but it means you do have to understand what it is to have some grit and to be a man. The other problem that we face right now in our culture, which is very pervasive, especially with the young pastoral groups coming up, is many of these are coming from broken homes that don't even know or have a role model of a strong father. And that problem is becoming increasingly pervasive in all aspects of our society. And it defines Gen Z. When I sat in that youth congregation that I spoke of on Friday night down at Glad Tidings, in which was in their K through 12 school, and it was the youth ministry. And when I had pointed out to me all of the family issues that each of those children were facing, there wasn't one good story of a strong father. And that's a sad statement in a group of about 30 to 40. And I don't think that that's, that's essentially a snapshot to what we're seeing in a nation. And it's a snapshot of what we face in trying to restore a direction towards kingdom. And the only way that's going to happen is if we nurture and, and engage in a way that speaks truth and elevates up an awareness, letting people know, like if you're going to wear skinny jeans, this is what you're symbolizing. And it's essentially the sexualization and demasculating of a man. That's the only reason skinny jeans are around. So it, and, and I say, I've just seen it too much. And it's something that we need and have an obligation to call out. Because it's not just a, it, it shouldn't be about fashion. And unfortunately, in this statement of fashion, it, it also speaks to the place that happened after the fall in the garden, where there's guilt and there is awareness of who we are and embarrassment of who we are, which is, that's, that takes us a long ways back in Scripture, doesn't it? So this fight that we're in is really centered on some principal issues that 
whether we're going to do deliverance or whether we're going to do just walking in the world as strong people in Christ, there's a number of things that I want to just go over. And I mean, the first and foremost is that we're embracing the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he lives in us and he guides us in all things. And that trust is something that takes nurturing. It isn't just, it doesn't just happen. We have to start listening to what God is saying to us. We have to respond and learn how he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is there in all things that we do, and we have to welcome it. There's a great story of a, of a prophet that was shared over the last week. And he's more of a seer than a prophet. And he stood up hundreds of churches around the world. He's both a seer and a prophet, I should say. And he was sitting in this new church. He was part of setting up this new church and struggling with a lot of the administration things. And he has a sight of Jesus literally walking out of the church. And he calls out to Jesus. He says, don't leave. And Jesus' response was, you're the only one that will know that I've left. Sadly, that becomes a lot of what our relationship to God is. We don't know when the Holy Spirit is here, don't know when he's not here. And that's a sad statement. And we need to be embracing the power of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. And that begins by trusting, talking, and having these conversations with God and, and, and our Lord and Savior Christ to awaken that relationship, to start hearing the ways in which God will speak to us. Sometimes people get direct words. Other times it's impressions in the heart. Sometimes it's, it's things that you honestly know when you hear it, somebody speaking or a, something happens, and you're like, that's literally the Holy Spirit talking to me. And you have to start trusting it and react to it. And as we do that more and more, it starts to manifest more really in our lives. One of the great weapons we have in this war is truly the name, Jesus, to call him by name. And in doing so, we're able to set aside or rebuke much of the spiritual influence that's around us and around others because that's one thing that they cannot stand to. There is not a single spirit that can stand to the name of Jesus. Another great thing is the reference to the blood of Jesus. The blood heals all things, and the blood seals all things. This last week, I went through some amazing healing on my leg that was very deep and much more involved than just my leg. And it went back a long time in my life of things I had to repent for and go back to. And ultimately, it's the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus that's going to heal that and seal that breach in the armor and to allow myself to be set free from any of the influences of that past. One of the other great weapons in this war is the cross of Christ. Catholics use the cross a lot as an actual tool 
to put in the face of dark, dark forces. And I've had a lot of conversations about that in different perspectives, but in the true sense of the power of the Holy Spirit and power in our lives, the cross is an important one and one that we need to use and carry and be very real about in our lives is the power of the tools that we're given. Another great one is God's word, which is scripture. And as we read scripture and learn scripture, to be prepared to use God's word in various places to bring in the power of the Holy Spirit in all that he is. So, again, these are tools and that we are given in a daily basis that can be used far beyond the limits and far beyond the, the, the realm of just deliverance work. This is, these are things that we can bring to bear, that we can use to strengthen our position and ultimately help bring Christ into people's lives. We also have the whole principle of the hedge of protection, which we've talked about here before. But setting up a hedge of protection wherever we go is something that, and around others, is a great way of keeping them secure within the envelope of the, of the blessings of the Holy Spirit. And that hedge of protection, though, can be breached. And it can be breached by our sin. And that's, again, back to the fundamentals of us literally seeking a, what I would have talked about in the deep repentance of inventorying our lives and going back and trying to be accountable for all sin. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because we tend to, there is a trend or a tendency to do kind of a blanket forgiveness. I'm forgiven for all my sins and I repent, but there's a much greater power when we go through our lives and we spend time inventorying our lives as we remember it and then releasing ourselves from the sin. But it's not just the sin, it's also forgiving ourselves for the action. We get hooked into these things in the past. And the great thing about doing an inventory of your life is as we go through that process, not only are we releasing ourselves from the past, we're also opening up the opportunities for new memories or memories we have forgotten to flood back in. Because many of those instances can be a block to the memories of other things that happened. And as those new memories come in, they will bring about memories of good and bad. And as we encounter new things in our lives, after we do a deep inventory repentance of our life, we're, we're going to be given more opportunities to go back through and repent again for each item. Now this gets into some really interesting areas in, in the freeing of ourselves from the influences of the demonic. And one of those things is that in heaven, Time does not exist as we know, like we think about it. Time is very linear to us. But if we're going to be willing and able to go back and repent and forgive ourselves and forgive those involved in instances in the past, 
that has a ripple effect over our lives, even though that instance is done. We're undoing a spiritual hook, would be the easiest way of saying that, and freeing ourselves that then will affect both us and others involved in the present. That's a profound concept when you think about it. And when we take our repentance to that level and our forgiveness to that level, we're literally rebuilding and the, the fabric of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a very amazing thing. I just saw somebody write that forgiveness of self is difficult. Yes, it is. It's probably one of the greatest challenges that we face because we talk about forgiveness for others, but we seldom talk about forgiveness of self. And that is one of the greatest challenges in all of this is for us to understand that as we have repented and grace has been given, we also have to take on the position of forgiving ourselves for whatever we were involved in, which again, not easy, but powerful when we do, because with that, we're able to forgive others. I've talked a lot about a forgiving and loving heart. And that's a a difficult place to walk in a time when there is so much evil around. But it's a warrior's heart is what we're building. That forgiving and loving heart is a heart that we're building to strengthen our connection with Father God and the power of his justice, which can also be justice that is worked through our hand. The easiest way that I think to look at this is David as he faces Goliath. It's not David that is driven towards killing Goliath. It's the justice that God is using him to deliver. So it's God using David to deliver the justice to Goliath with the stone in the middle of his head. That's an important principle because too much of when we have anchored ourselves too much in the physical world, we're not looking at ourselves as connected spiritually. But in the times of the Bible, there is a deep connection with, with God, a po- powerful connection. And there's an understanding that the Holy Spirit is working through us to guide us and to lead us. When we embrace that walk and understand that we truly are walking by faith, not by sight, the concept of action and spoken word becomes contingent upon what God puts in our heart. And as that happens, we become more powerful in the world as part of him And we are driven to do the things that he needs us to do without our ego stepping in the way in the various other forms of self-thinking and self-driven focus. When you look at things that way, you realize how absolutely dark, devious, and masterful this plan has been to strip God out of our lives. Because once a person, once we strip God out of their lives and they become me-centric, That me-centric issue is what ultimately makes people completely controllable by the demonic. There's nothing to protect them. There's no hedge of protection. There's no armor. There is, there's no word of Jesus. There's no blood of the cross. There's none of that. And they're completely open and vulnerable to the influences and because they have no relationship with our God. They are going to 
be driven and easily guided by the influences that will promise them amazing things and even give them power. So much of the occult is that way. But what's inspiring the movement of the occult and the satanic church is people are gaining things out of it. It shouldn't be that way. We should be seeing the miracles of healing, the miracles of casting out demons, the miracles that God provides regularly, actively in our churches. But they're not happening like that. So when people drift over to the satanic church or the occult, what they're being told is that they are going to get power in this world. They are going to gain wealth and influence. And it is, and it's done. It's done through their process of spells and sacrifice and ritualistic issues that they do because their dark Lord gives them those powers in this world. But it comes at a horrific cost. I think when we look at so much of the elite's drive towards trying to create infinite life, I would argue that part of the reason is at a certain point they realize that they've made a contract with the devil and that he's going to take in the contract if they die. And so, so much of what their obsession becomes with, which is creating infinite life in the physical, in the dirt world, is to escape the contract that they cut with the devil. We have none of those burdens. We have none of them. The main issue we face and have to overcome is fear. And fear takes many forms. It takes the form of anxiety. Fear can even be rooted back to anger. We have to get rid of our fear and realize truly the power of who we are. We are the children of, of the Almighty. We are the children of the, of the Lord of hosts, the one God, the true God. And that's a phenomenal concept that it brings with it the authorities to literally step on snakes and scorpions and to have all the power over the enemy. It also is the authority to do greater works than he, meaning Jesus. And that was said by Christ himself. And if you let that sink in a minute, that's a profound concept. With all that he did, he said to us, we can do greater works than he if we have true belief in him. But we don't see that in this world, at least not much of it. And when we do hear of it, we kind of rear back and go, no, that can't be. He can't be a prophet. He can't be a healer or she. I can't, that, that's, not, that's not something that is happening in church. And yet it's all through scripture. It's all through scripture and somehow it's like that's a past and the new present says it doesn't exist. How can that possibly be if we're really walking with Father God? We need to open ourselves up to the glories of what God's providing. And so much of that can be accessed through praise and worship. The power of praise and worship is it's somewhat ritualistic in church, but in our lives, it should be alive, constantly living in that space because that opens up the power of the greatness of heaven. It's in the same level as a living and forgiving heart because once we let go of the burdens of this world that is trying to corrupt our way of thinking, we start to realize the true power 
of love as a as both a protection as a function of kingdom and as a weapon in this war there's nothing that can withstand the love that Christ carried and that we have within us to give prayer and fasting is another fantastic weapon in this war i'm now on day 22 of a fast and it is amazing to the mental clarity that we gain the closeness that we 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 acquire to the holy spirit the deeper appreciation for scripture and god's word and even the exposing of things that deep within us that need to be dealt with that we have to come to grips with and resolve not just let be prayer and fasting is a powerful connection into the into the world of the holy spirit and it should be something that is regular in our lives and just to say this and i i have a lot of people say to me that i couldn't i can't do a long fast you don't have to you shouldn't start there and you don't have to start there and i'm not going to tell you what you and can or can't do in terms of your body in a fast i'm just going to keep it there for that because as I say all the time when I start saying this stuff, I'm not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play a doctor on TV. But the thing about fasting is also like anything else. It's training and conditioning. If you want to fast, do an intermittent fast. Fast from breakfast to breakfast. So have a breakfast and then fast all day till the next breakfast. Or if you want to Try something else, fast after after the dinner and fast until the next dinner, right? You can do that regularly and get used to the process. I will tell you that the longer you go on a fast, the easier things get. And it's it just does so much for our whole body system and the strength in our spirit and our soul. Most of all, above all things in this fight, well, the greatest weapon we have is God's love and embracing that. And I shared that story with you last night as just a reminder of that to me as I encountered those homeless guys when I went to gas up. And I'm just going to recount the story again because it's been very impactive on my life. Because when I was... I pulled in, I had about 30 minutes to get back to the hotel to start the show. And it was a late show last night. We didn't start until 11. And as I stepped out of the Jeep and had put my card into the gas pump, I had already seen the guys that are just like 10 feet away in their little homeless camp. And one of the guys came up to me. And I saw him coming out of the corner of my eye. And he says, Hey, do you have any change? And he didn't, he hardly finished his sentence. And I just said, no, which was true, but I could have, I had other things to give like cash, but I didn't have any change. And the minute I did that, I got a really hard push nudge, probably more of like a rebuking type nudge from God. And I knew that that was not the right response. So I got the pump started. And I walked over, and there was two of them. 
I said, hey, so what do you guys smoke? And I think this is important because we, we can get wrapped up in value judgments and go, well, I'm not going to get them cigarettes. Look, man, cigarettes are as legal as anything else. And these guys are out here in the rain and they're cold and they are, their clothes are wet and they're asking for some cigarettes. So they told me what they wanted. I, don't, I know nothing about cigarettes. I don't smoke. And so they wanted Marlboro shorts. I didn't even know what those were. So I went in and just asked for a carton of Mar- Marlboro shorts. And I, like I said last night, I was stunned at the cost of cigarettes. I I don't buy them. I have no, no idea. I was stunned. I mean, that was it was $100 for a carton of cigarettes. So I took it back out to him and these guys came up and they're like, are you kidding me? You bought us a whole carton? I said, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? And uh, they said, yes. And so we prayed and I just prayed for the strength in Jesus to lead them through these difficult times because these are difficult times and they don't have anything. But here was the part and this was the, this is God's love for everybody there because we're all equal in the kingdom. And what shook me deep and still does is here are three guys, I'm sorry, two guys that have nothing. They, their shopping cart possesses their life's possessions. One guy, the older guy is wearing what looks like, you know, a, another version of Crocs. They're both cold, trying to stay warm. And he says, now I want to pray for you. And I didn't know what to expect. And he gave the most beautiful prayer. And his whole prayer was centered on asking for greater blessings for me because I took the time simply to provide them a box, a carton of cigarettes. That's a very humbling moment. And, it, and it's, it's settled with me very deeply as a great gift that God gave as a reminder to the power of his love and how we can overcome all things through the power of his love. You know, this journey that you share with me is an amazing walk. Um, where I started in 2018, 2019, and where I am today, it's a continued refinement in the fires of God. And every time I think I get to a little pinnacle, I usually get bumped down and I get reminded and shown something greater in the greater love of kingdom. I know this is in the greatest tools that we have in this war. It is God's love. It's not going to be a 10-round magazine. It's not going to be a katana. It's it's not going to be any of those things. In fact, as I continue to pray into it and what I continue to be shown is the greatest warriors are those that can walk into the most divisive and hateful environments, empty-handed, but walking truly with the power of the Holy Spirit that itself disarms and brings enemies to their knees. I'm telling you, that in itself is, a, is an amazing vision to carry. We are entering a time 
as we open our hearts to God that the miracles will be coming back, that we will be back in a place where you will be seeing the powerful healings. You will be seeing the powerful, the miracles of the Bible. There's no question that's coming. The question is who will be, have their hearts open to receive it. And those things begin with a loving and forgiving heart. And as we get there, we have to be willing to open that up and not restrict the flow of the Holy Spirit, the waters of the river of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. We have so many tools in our hand to use on a daily basis, as I just went through tonight. Tools in this fight to use in the appropriate way to be able to get to people, embrace people, and set them on a course with Jesus. Like I said, when you find a couple homeless guys, one of which was obviously very well schooled in the Bible, and in everything that they are going through and have, the most important thing for him in that moment wasn't asking for anything else, but rather praising God and for what he had received and asking God to look over me in a greater way. In the scope of things, and especially in the scope of kingdom, $100 isn't even measurable. But it was the action and the gift of the heart, the love of God himself, that has immeasurable reach and impact on our souls. That is where we need to put our focus. And that is ultimately how we win this war. Let's pray. Father God, I'm still, as I shared the story again tonight, just so deeply humbled and blessed by the gift that you gave. A gift of blessing that came unexpectedly from somebody that had nothing. A humbling reminder to us all of how powerful your love is and how powerful the principle of loving thy neighbor is. We have a challenge, as we always do, Father, in this world where judgment seems to become the lead element in most of what we do. And you know my own heart that judgment is can flash up quickly. We need to be seeking that place of your love into this world, to bring it mightily from kingdom, to be able to step aside from our own angers and bias, our own obsession with the conflicts of war and blood, and realize that if we descend to that level, we actually don't win but rather we win through the glory and power of the kingdom working through us, leading us in all things and understanding then that as you guide our hands, it will be as intended and as must be for kingdom, not in corrupted by our thoughts and our biases, our vengeance, our hatred, or our fears. 
Father, we just pray this evening for that amazing flood of the Holy Spirit upon all people's hearts. To have them, those that are able to open up their hearts and let the Holy Spirit flow through. And in so doing, to release the mightiness of kingdom within our world. To start once again reclaiming the domain of healing, casting out demons, and doing greater works than he. To have such trust and mightiness in our own belief that we ourselves can overcome anything before us. We can reclaim the glory and love of kingdom and in so doing reset this time in something that reflects the beauty and glory of what we truly are and what we were intended to be. Guide us and protect us in this great time. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, stay true in your walk always. You know, I mentioned this, I've mentioned this now in three shows, and I'm going to mention it in closing tonight. About a week and a half to two weeks ago, God put in my heart this sourdough revolution. And I just mentioned it as a way to make bread naturally with natural yeast, water, sourdough yeast, flour, and a bit of salt. Become good at it. Bake once a week. Share one loaf with your neighbor or share one loaf with somebody in need or share one loaf with the kids in the neighborhood. But effectively... Do so in a way to break bread. Since I mentioned that, the number of people that I've encountered that do not listen to the show, that have shared with me that they were been inspired to start sourdough is amazing, which means God's speaking to many people that will listen. It's a simple act. It's an act of literally breaking bread, of loving thy neighbor, and living out a powerful place in our world of building community and fellowship. So I would encourage you to do this. It's not difficult. It takes a little bit of time. Sourdough takes about 24 hours to do. But to get in that habit of doing that once a week and finding someone to share that creation with, a bread that hopefully as you work it, you pray and let it be blessed, and something to share with others as an offering to build fellowship and friendship and to love thy neighbor. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I guess we probably should subdue the enemy in there too, shouldn't we? <laughs> All right, patriots. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again
Oh 